God bless you, beloved, and welcome to Grateful for Love. This is Regina. I thank and praise God for each of you being with us today as we share again from God's Word. And we have been studying and talking in regards to the Roman road. The Roman road. And this is simply um, a series of verses from the book of Romans in the New Testament that we have been speaking on that will help us as we witness to an unsaved person, someone who has not received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And these verses will give us a clear definition from God's viewpoint of how he sees people. We're either saved or we are unsaved. And God is the one who makes the definition. God is the one who sets the standard, not us. So it has nothing to do with whether or not I think I'm a good person or not. It is based upon what God has set in his word in regards to saved or unsaved. And so uh, in our episode 28, we were speaking of the verse coming out of Romans chapter 5. And verse 6, and that was a verse that talked about, from the NIV it says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And then in episode 29, we shared from Romans 6, and 23, Romans 6 and 23, and that verse reads, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then in episode 30, We spoke on Romans chapter 3, verse 10, which says, There is no one righteous, not even one. And then verse 12 says, All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And then in verse 23, it reads, um, 23, There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So these are verses so far that are building on the premise of the ungodly the unsaved, that person who has not yet received Jesus as Lord and Savior. And at one point, we were all in this category. We were all unsaved. Uh, And it goes back to the book of Genesis uh, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. God gave Adam a mandate He was told that he could eat of any tree in the garden except this one tree, 
of the knowledge of good and evil. And so uh, when Adam, along with his wife, when they ate from this tree, uh, they disobeyed God. That brought in the original sin and, um, and the death judgment was decreed at that moment. Now, if you recall, uh, Adam and Eve did not physically die at that moment. However, they did not. But they were put out of the garden and could not return. So that lets me know that even though physical death can be a hard thing to uh, understand and even to comprehend, at the same time, the greater and the more critical death is one where I can no longer get to God. And Adam and Eve were no longer able to freely be in the garden and have all of the amenities that they had there because of their relationship with God. Uh, They were able to speak at Him at any given time and they had that sweet communion because they were innocent and they were in the presence of God all the time. But once they disobeyed, that was broken. That was broken. And so the penalty for um, them having sinned not only was a eventual physical death, but they also experienced an immediate spiritual death. They were immediately apart from God. And so God... um, knew from the very beginning that he would at one point come and reconcile and uh, reconnect everything back the way it was always intended to be. And that's why he sent Jesus. Jesus came at the right time, at the right time, according to God's plan, to reconnect, to bridge the gap, to reconcile each of us back to God so there would no longer be a gap, a disconnect because Christ would pay the price for that original sin that brought the penalty of sin into place and into play from the beginning. Now each of us has to make a choice of whether or not we're going to receive and accept what Christ did for us individually and then come into that saving knowledge and into that saving relationship and begin to grow in God and in the things of God so that we too will experience life eternal with Him the way that it was always intended to be. Now, in today's lesson, we want to look at a few more verses. And these verses are going to be geared more toward what Christ has done. We understand now that uh, that sin pays a wage. It pays death. That is what sin pays. The penalty for sinning is death. No question about it. Um, but we're also going to find out today that Christ came to Erase and to remove that penalty um, based upon what he's going to do and based upon what he did. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. 
Romans 5 and 8, and I'll be reading from the NIV. Um, And the verse reads, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Christ did not wait until we got right. He did not wait until we began to to get better and to turn away from some bad things, quote unquote. It says here that he showed his love. He showed us his love. He demonstrated his love toward us that while we were still sinners, not even having a clue of who he was and what he wanted to do for us, not really even caring, but he came and he died for us. Um, I want to look at um, a cross-reference here for this verse, and it is a very familiar verse um, that we all perhaps have heard on numerous occasions uh, throughout our lifetime. And that is from the book of St. John, chapter 3, verse 16. 3 and 16, and it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So what God did, and we hear it ringing as well in the verse out of Romans we read in verse 8 of Romans chapter 5, that this was all motivated by God's love. God's love. Because Romans 5 and 8, remember, says that, but God demonstrates his own love for us. This is how he was going to prove. I'm going to prove that I love you. That even when you're not right, even as you sin, even as you and I disregard disregarded him, he still would have his son come and die for us. And John 3.16 says, you know, pretty much the same thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Shall not perish, but have eternal life. I also want to look at uh, another verse. I want to look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter um, chapter 3. 1 Peter 3. And I want to begin at verse 18, and I'll read down to 20. Verse 18 says, and this is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, and it reads, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, 
but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. Now, now check this out. What is being said here? Christ died for sins once for all. So this alludes to the fact that unlike the high priest, those who served in the temple as high priests in the Old Testament would have to go into the temple once a year to give penance, a sacrifice for the sins of all the nation. Of course, they had to first repent of their own sins first. And then they would make a sacrifice for the sins of the nation. And they would have to do this every year. But Christ did it once for all. So not just for all those who were in the nation of Israel, but for all. Because John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. So all Jew, non-Jew, all Jew, Gentile, all. It did not matter. Uh, Christ died for everyone. And it says the righteous for the unrighteous. Now, the word righteous simply means being in right standing with God. Um, It has the idea of, and you're in right standing because of one who is holy, who has been um, spotless, without blemish. And so no one could be put in that category except Jesus himself, God in the flesh. Um, because all of us uh, has, all of us have sinned. We read that from uh, Romans three twenty three. All of us have sinned. We have all sinned, and we have all fallen short of God's glory. And so um, here we see that. So all of us bear uh, that label of being unrighteous. And so no one could die for us and be the perfect sacrifice for us except Jesus the Christ, who is God in the flesh, himself. He was the only one who could do this, and he did. And it says the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. So Jesus, that's why that's why he's everything. <laughs> because he's the only one that could do what he did, and he did it, and he brings us back to God. And then it says he was put to death in the body, but made alive by the spirit through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. And what I drew in terms of a conclusion from this particular writing, this part here was that, that yes, he died in his body because he was in a body. So the body died, 
but the Spirit, uh, God himself, went and preached to those who had died before Jesus became a man on earth, before he came uh, in the flesh to uh, down the cross, those people who had lived before the gospel, those people who had lived before and never knew who Jesus was, God, even his love was so great and so endearing that he, it says here, waited and he went to preach, it says, to the spirits in prison, those who were already uh, imprisoned in their graves, if you will, died without knowing Christ. And uh, it says, and 20 it says, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah. Now, Noah preached 120 years. It took him 120 years to build the ark. And he preached all those years what God told him to. And so God uh, wanted to be sure that even though they perished that day in the floodwaters, I believe this, that at the time that he died, and we hear that he was put in the grave for three days and three nights, his body, yes, but Jesus the Christ, Jesus, God in the flesh, yes, the body was buried, but the Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, went and preached to those who had died before Jesus even came to earth that they too could be a part and hear the good news. And so no one is without excuse. No one can say they didn't know because if he made it known to them who died before he came as a man to earth to preach and to die on the cross, if he would do that for them, he will make sure that each one, wherever we may be on this planet, will have an opportunity to hear about who he is and what he's done for them individually. And each can make a decision either to follow or not to follow. Praise God. Let's look at another verse. I want to look at 1 John 3.16. Now we looked at St. John 3 and 16, but this is 1 John 3 and 16. And it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And then it finishes by saying, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But the he cross-referenced portion is the fact that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Why? Because that was the penalty for sin. It had to be the shedding of blood. There's a verse that says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission there can be no forgiveness of sin. So blood has to be shed. That's why in the Old Testament, the priests 
um, as they did the sacrifices, that was a foreshadow of what was to come when Jesus, the Lamb of God, would come and die for the sin of every man. He would come. Let's also look at, um, still in First John, look at chapter 4, verse 10. Chapter 4, verse 10. And it says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So it's not that we loved Him, but He loved us. He loved us and sent his son. He showed us that he loved us by sending his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He came as a sacrificial lamb just as those animals were sacrificed on the altar in the Old Testament. Jesus the Christ, God in the flesh, was sacrificed on the cross in the New Testament for each and every one of us so that our sins would be remitted, would be washed, would be cleansed, would be removed. And that sin would no longer have dominion over us and that we would no longer be bound by the penalty of sin, which is death, because Christ removed that penalty. So now, as I mentioned before, in the episode before, now as a believer, when we sin, when we fall short, when we do wrong, we can go to 1 John 1 and 9 and ask for forgiveness. We can confess that sin and ask for forgiveness. And because he is our Lord and Savior, he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you see how it all connects together? That's what he has supplied for us. I want to look at one more verse. Let's look at uh, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And this is um, verses 9 through 13. Romans 10, 9 through 13. And it says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confessed. As we continue with this episode 31, uh, we just read uh, from Romans chapter 10, verse 9, and I want to um, pick up from there, and I want to include um, another verse that I thought was very helpful um, that will be coming back out of chapter 5 of Romans, and keeping in mind that we're talking about what Christ has done in order to uh, ensure our salvation. We know 
from the earlier episodes of our sinful nature and so forth, but now we want to focus on what Christ has done. We know what Adam did, and we know what Adam, um, because of his disobedience, the fate that was upon all mankind um, because of sin was the penalty of death, and that's what sin pays. But now we want to focus on what Christ has done to reconcile us and to give us eternal life because of his shed blood. And so we want to look at, um, back in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, and it says from the NIV, For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more? Having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? How much more? And then 11 says, not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So if the sin that was committed first by Adam and that was passed on to all mankind if that sin that was committed at that time with Adam in the garden if that introduced and brought on this death sentence to all men if that's true and it is and it was true now that we are reconciled because of the death of God's precious one and only Son, how much more, how much greater, how much more magnificent shall we be saved through His life? We have to consider that. And I know oftentimes we think in terms of how it was so unfair, it seems so unfair, that because of what Adam did, Everyone suffered for it. And I would agree with that. I would agree with that. But then I choose to rather focus on because of Jesus' death, because of his death on the cross, because of him being raised from the dead, how much more has he been able to reverse? Has he been able to remit the sin that made us apart from God in the first place, the sin that disconnected us from God in the first place. If Adam could do that, how much more would the Son of God, God in the flesh, do what he did for us? And that's what we need to focus on, beloved, is the unsurpassing love of the Father that gave way to his son coming to earth and totally undoing all that the first man, Adam, did by way of his sin. Now that the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, Jesus of Christ, came to die for us, what all was he able to accomplish that was far greater? So my point is that grace is far greater far greater, much greater than sin. Let's also look at um, 
verse number 18 of that chapter 5. Verse 18 of chapter 5. And it says, Consequently, just as a result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result <clears throat> excuse me, of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. Again, consequently, just as a result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, just as we have just uh, shared. So it says, so also the result of one act of righteousness, and that is re- referring to what Christ did on the cross. This, this one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. And then 19 says, for just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, referring to Jesus the Christ, the many will be made righteous, period. So us being made righteous at this point has nothing to do with our rights or wrongs. It has to do with Christ hanging on the cross as a willful, loving sacrifice to remove the penalty that the original sin brought into the world. And that he was buried. And most importantly, he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead to complete this transaction that would completely disallow and nullify the penalty of sin being death would no longer loom or hang over us. Now I want to look at, let's go back now to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And we had read earlier Verse 9, and I'll read it again for your hearing. It says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. 12, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Praise God once more again for his precious, precious word. Let's look at a cross reference for this. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32. And it says, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. Glory to God. 
Jesus is saying here, this is Jesus speaking, that if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. Good news. That's good news. Another trans um, a cross-reference, rather. Let's look at Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2 and verse 32. Joel chapter 2. In verse 32. I got past it there. And as I'm looking for this verse, I think about, again, um, how we have oftentimes felt um, such a, um, a feeling of being... Um, not necessarily mistreated, but being unfair in terms of the punishment because of Adam. I still go back to that because I've often heard people say that uh, over the course of just sharing with people and talking with people uh, about um, about uh, their uh, decision to face, their decision rather to accept Christ or not. And that was always a contention there. But we see that that no one have a really ever heard will side with the fact that what Christ did. And so oftentimes I would just have to figure that for those people who were still trying to have that debate, they were simply not ready yet to face their own sinful nature. And they still wanted to please their flesh. They still wanted to do what they wanted to do. Now, Let's go back to uh, our cross-reference again. I want to look at Joel chapter 2, verse 32. And this um, says, and of course we know that the book of Joel is a minor prophet in the Old Testament, and it's very prophetic. Um, And this is actually under the subheading of the day of the Lord. And this verse 32 reads, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Everyone. God knows the condition of your heart. God knows whether or not your heart is true. Your heart is serious. Your heart is intentional toward calling on Him, crying out to Him, desiring and wanting Him for salvation. He knows that. No one else can judge that but him. And so he knows that. And so when we do that in faith, he will save us. He will save us. And then there's another verse I want to look at in the book of, in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts. And this is chapter 2, verse 2. Acts chapter 2. And verse 2, I'm sorry, verse 21, 21, and it says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this was part of Peter, 
addressing the crowd after the day of Pentecost. And so he is directly referencing where? From the book of Joel. And so, as I said before, the word of God connects and it interprets itself. So, and everything in the Bible points to the Christ to come. Everything points to the Christ who would come and take away the sins of the world. And so I trust, beloved, that these verses have helped each of you, those who have had a chance to listen and get in on this second segment of this episode 31 in reference to how can I share with someone uh, who needs to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so the Roman road has been uh, just a series of scriptures that I've been sharing with you over the past few episodes to help you as you compile them together, pray over them and ask Holy Spirit, who is it that you will meet in the course of a day that you can share? Um, maybe uh, over the course of a couple of, of conversations, perhaps. But just be prayerful on how you share and when to share. But having the scriptures, having God's word to back you. So it's not just our opinion that we are sinners. It is the it is the written word of God, the spoken word of God written for us to be able to uh, read and see for ourselves of what our condition is before we know Christ. And so God wants it to be clear for everyone that we're either saved or unsaved. And no one has to remain unsaved if they choose not to be. They can be saved and go into a, excuse me, go into a wonderful relationship with Christ just as someone who's been saved for 15, 20 years. uh, We all have a place where we can start, and that is with confessing with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believing that God has raised him from the dead. God bless you. It's my prayer. Shalom, shalom.